Welcome back to Learn It From a Layman. I'm Carl Christensen, back again with Cameron Christensen. And for the second time in our podcast, we've got uh, Gary Newvine with us again. Welcome back, Gary. Uh, thank you for having me. appreciate being here. Yeah, thanks for coming on again. So in our last podcast, that was our, our history of the 1920s podcast. We had Gary on at the beginning talking a little bit about his uh, solar uh, company. Uh, so let me get this right. SoCal. Uh, Okay, tell me what it is again, Gary. Southern Cal Solar. Okay, I always get it wrong. SouthernCalSolar.com. Okay, and uh, and Gary's been doing that for a while, and so Gary uh, agreed to jump back on for another podcast here, and and this time we're actually going to do a a bigger, so that was a a short little segment in that podcast. This time we're actually going to talk through all the ins and outs of, of solar, all the way from the history and the science to installation and purchasing and, and options like that. So uh, Gary's got a lot of that knowledge and, and we've done some research here. And so we're going to we're going to dive in and uh, we're going to talk first here a little bit about the history of electricity. And so, Gary, I think you got a couple things you were going to hit on for that. Yep, I do. Uh, the history of electricity is funny. You know, we've been depending on coal oil and gas um, to power your our electrical grid for so long that people have just they just don't even think about it anymore you know they turn on their switch electricity comes through what people don't realize in certainly in southern california is we don't make enough of our own electricity and our the generation actually is responsible for about over half of the human uh emissions coming from electricity and uh, transportation together. EPA figures for those of 2018 say 27% was for the generation of electricity and 28% went to trans uh, transportation. So again, with a further advent of electric cars, and again, that's something that could probably do as a whole podcast on its own. Sure. Uh, you know, just the generation of electricity. Um, Again, Southern California doesn't make enough of our own electricity, so we actually have to bring it in from neighboring states in high demands. And a lot of people don't realize that half of the bill in Southern California is typically for transmission and distribution. So that means bringing it from another state into into Southern California, and then uh, the local utility takes over, and then they have their charge for distributing it to each home. Yeah, I have a question, too. Uh, so. Obviously, we know, yeah, like you, you just outlined for us um, how how things work as far as California goes. You um, and, and I'd imagine across different states in the U.S., you're going to have different. Obviously, California is one of the most expensive uh, states in in the United States as far as energy um, goes. But uh, what was uh, what was Aust- when you lived in Australia, what what does Australia mostly use for electricity? And do they are they coal powered mostly? Are they going solar? Yeah, they're still relying on on fossil fuels, coal, oil, and gas. Um, they're moving toward uh, solar more and more. Of course, you know they're, they're so sunny there. I was just reading where they're actually building the largest. They're in the in the planning stage of building the largest solar array in the world. And they're going <laughs> to, what's funny is they're going to build it in, in Northern Australia. They're going to put a battery system in Darwin and then they're laying cable underground all the way to Indonesia. So they're going to be manufacturing power by solar in Australia. And then they're shipping it, I don't know, 4,800 kilometers away to, wow. um, 
<laughs> you know, to to Asia. So it's kind of funny. Yeah, that's interesting. I know that. Uh, yeah, obviously, and that and developed countries are, are more interested in, in looking at different ways to generate electricity. Um, like you talked about, uh, we're kind of aware that the uh, the way that we're currently generating less electricity is ca- causing all these emission issues. So we're moving towards renewables. I'd imagine developing countries uh, not as much yet. So. You know, the, the interesting thing is California has been very progressive. And in September 2018, they actually signed uh, a law saying by 2026, half the power sold in California has to be from a renewable source. By 2030, 60%. And by 2045, 100% of the power sold in California has to be from a renewable source. So that's either uh, today primarily solar and wind power. Interesting. Yeah. So I've got a stat that I found while I was doing the research for this podcast. I thought it was really interesting. Uh, like you said, there there are other forms of renewable energy besides solar. But I, I read this. It says if you took all the energy humanity produces from burning coal, oil, and natural gas, and all the energy from uh, fission. So currently we use we have nuclear plants um, and uh, and all the wind energy of for the t- uh, entire year, it would be less than the amount of sun energy hitting the earth every seven seconds. Um, so obviously we're not tapping into all of that yet, uh, but that just gives you an idea of potential uh, of solar power. Obviously there's some, we're, we're going to talk about a lot of the, uh, uh, you know, the, the practical aspects of solar and some of the uh, roadblocks we still need to overcome, but but that kind of gives you an idea of, yeah, of the uh, renewable source of energy that the sun could be. If so, every seven seconds the sun is bombarding the earth with as much energy as we get from all of our fossil fuels and all of our renewables currently. Well, I've actually seen a number of different research uh, sources that say uh, enough power comes from the sun every 20 minutes to power the entire earth for a year. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, yeah, some, I think you're saying it in different in different terms, but again, every 20 minutes, the sun can power the Earth for an entire year. So we're there's no way that we're tapping into that anywhere right. near that potential. Yep. Yep. That that's a little bit about the history of electricity um, and, and where where we're at right now. Um, so let's let's move on now a little bit to how solar works. Um, so. Hey, mind Gary, if I give a little bit of my layman's knowledge about that first? Yeah, absolutely. Kind of like Looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, so let's start a little bit with the history. So it's, uh, it's I think, always useful in these cases to know where, where we came from as far, as far as solar technology uh, goes to, to understand where, where we're at. Um, so in, 19, in 1839, um, Alexandra, he's French, so this is going to, I'm going to slaughter this. I don't don't usually try to pronounce French names. Even when I'm like reading to myself, I kind of just gloss over them because, uh, you know, like when there's that many consonants together, it's, 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 it's it's uncalled for is what it is. Um, uh, They call them silent letters, a lot of silent letters in French. So you just kind of slur half of it. Right, exactly. Okay, so it's Alexandre Bakure or something. Um, anyway, he uh, he was the one that first um, uh, 
you found the ability of the materials to create an electrical charge from light exposure. And so the first solar panels were, were not actually, the ones he was working with, were not even efficient enough to power anything. This is back in the early 1800s. I mean, electricity was still uh, just up and coming. So um, so he, what he found, uh, he used it more to, to measure light than to power anything. Um, and so it wasn't until 1939, so more, 100 years later, Russell Ohl, that's O-H-L, if that's the correct pronunciation of O-H-L, O-L. Um, he created the, the solar design that's currently, uh, well, used in a lot of modern solar panels. Uh, and so that was, um, yeah, a hundred years of, of uh, now there were things in between where, where scientists did more uh, research, but uh, the, the mo- birth of the modern solar panel, I guess you could trace back to 1939, and in 1954, Bell Labs was the first to create a kind of commercially viable solar panel. And so that's a little bit about the history. Obviously, there have been more uh, changes since then. But as far as the uh, the science goes, um, it says the solar panel works by allowing photons or particles of light to knock electrons free from atoms, generating a flow of electricity. Solar panels actually comprise uh, small units called photovoltaic, maybe that's how you say that, photovoltaic cells. Um, and it means they convert sunlight into electricity. Cells linked together um, make a solar panel. So you've got a lot of these cells linked together and their their electrons are being knocked off the atoms inside these cells, generating this flow of electricity. Uh, um, so a cell is a two-layer sandwich of a silicon. Um, one layer, I guess, so this is, I guess, called the N-type, contains traces of elements such as arsenic to give the material a negative electric charge. And the second layer is called the P-type, has, uh, has other elements in it to give it a positive charge. So essentially, you've got uh, kind of a battery, uh, two terminals of a battery, and uh, and then you throw in some electricity, and uh, and you've got um, solar cells, um, and they use silicon crystal form. Uh, and and if it's crystalline, it says it's more efficient at converting light, um, and and efficiency is a big thing in solar panels, um, and that's a big part of where we're at right now and last podcast i know mary gary you mentioned that there's as far as what's coming down the pipe there's there's uh i mean they're they're getting some marginal improvement but it's kind of uh, hard fought to get any improvement in, in in solar panels as of right now i did read one article though um that was talking about how um let's see it says uh, th- th- it's talking about how solar panels um, heat, you have to work against heat, right? One of the big concerns when, with solar panels is as they get hot, it, I, what I read was every degree above 25 degrees Celsius or 77 degrees Fahrenheit, efficiency drops. And so, as you can imagine, in a place like Sol- Southern California, especially further away from the coast where we live, a little inland, we get above uh, 25 degrees Celsius or 77 Fahrenheit most days of the year. <laughs> so right. solar panel is going to have to work against that. But... Um, uh, but there are, you know, just because it's the efficiency dropping doesn't mean you can't obviously still get a lot of electricity out of it. But there is this, uh, like I said, this one um, uh, technology I guess they're working on right now that's essentially they're trying to let um, this gel uh, uh, that essentially captures water vapor out of the air at night, uh, use it to 
to kind of make solar panels wet uh, underneath and essentially cool them off. Um, and, and says uh, using this about a 2.2 pounds of gel on a solar panel, uh, they, they've in, in the lab uh, got an increase of electricity of about an average of 15%, which is huge. Um, so there are, so, you know, there's some, uh, some research, some things ongoing that are trying to make solar panels uh, more efficient. But um, yep. let's see. Uh, one other thing I was going to hit on before I passed off. So we already talked about um, efficiency of a solar panel. So sunlight um, energy is, is uh, obviously we put our solar panels outside. Turns out you can power small <laughs> little so- solar panels inside from incandescent light, but that and doesn't near do as much. And maybe if you wanted to power your watch that way or like little calculator calculators, you know, those types of things. Uh, but it's not going to be enough to, uh, it doesn't work that you can create energy from energy that you're consuming more than you've consumed. Um, if that makes any sense at all. But um, so sunlight energy, uh, when it, when that we're getting in is about 4% ultraviolet, 43% light, uh, visible light, and 53% infrared. Solar panels mostly convert visible light in electric, uh, into energy, and they can use about, what I read is it says almost about half of the infrared, infrared energy they can also convert into energy, um, but they don't really do much with ultraviolet light. So, um, and then uh, as solar cells uh, age, they degrade. So the electrical output of solar cells over years and years does degrade. Um, and, and there are panels that are more or less good for that. And we can probably talk about that once we hit the business side a little bit more. But um, right now, I said that it says that currently the best achieved sol- uh, sunlight conversion rate is about 21.5% in new commercial products. And so um, Solar, solar efficiency, that's about the, the, the state of the art as of right now, is 21.5% efficiency in converting that light into energy. So, uh, and, and like I said, then you have to work against things like uh, heat. Yeah. It's about what I had to... Oh, okay. So I did have one other thing I was going to touch on here. And so there, there are some scientists who are working, uh, once again, in the lab. And, and in the lab, and, and, and what's happening with scientists is very different than what's happening in the commercial space. But that um, they've reported developing a multi-junction solar cell with efficiency of more than 40%. <laughs> uh, that's obviously double what I just said the commercial products have right now. Right. Um, but, you know, that's, uh, that's it said it's a Spectro Lab, a subsidiary of Boeing is, is who's working on this. Uh, and they, they're, um, they're thinking that they can probably get efficiency even higher than that, higher than that 40% they've already observed. They're saying they can push 45 to 50%. So, you know, it down the line, um, it's possible we our solar panels get more and more efficient. Um, as of right now, though, we're looking at 21.5%. And, uh, and so that's, uh, that's where we're at right now. So that's uh, a little bit of the research I did, uh, Gary. What uh, what did I miss, or what uh, what's the when you talk um, fo- solar panels with customers and, and people out there? What what are their questions about the technology? Um, the interesting thing is you talk about efficiency of panels, and I've seen panels anywhere from uh, the mid teens, you know, sixteen, seventeen percent, up as high as twenty three percent, and again, it varies by manufacturer. One manufacturer was really pushing hard to making a higher higher efficiency panel 
But the, the issue there is the cost of those panels was prohibitive. So there's a, there's a, a break-even point uh, when they're talking about a 40 to 50% efficiency panel. I imagine down the road those panels are going to be super expensive. Right. won't need as many of them, but they're going to be super expensive. Um, I was in a facility up in Oregon that actually makes panels, so I got to see them uh, from when they actually uh, grew what they call the their ingot of solid silicon. Then they take that silicon and they slice it, as you mentioned, into wafers. And the interesting thing about that is those wafers are eight microns thick. Now that's wow. that's about as thick as a human hair. <laughs> and those and those are about five inches square. And they ran them through a process that I got to see. They run it through the first process where they treat it, second process where they they actually X-ray it to make sure it's not fractured, damaged, and then they go down the line where they put the um, um, the wiring onto it to actually, um, you know, capture the flow of, of electricity. And then after they get down to the end of the line, they actually flash it with light to see how many watts that individual cell makes. So then once they get all their cells created, they go over to the other side of the facility where they, they assemble them into a, a panel. And it is really quite interesting to see how they do it because they match all of those cells by wattage to put them, say, like 60 cells onto a panel that's going to make 295 watts. So what they do is they they pair them up with the individual uh, wafers that make a certain amount of power to produce a, a panel. Now, I've seen panels anywhere from 250 watts up to now over 400 watts. So, again, it's all by the manufacturer, all by, you know, the, uh, the actual, you know, power output of the panels. and right. And that's where when we sit down and talk to a homeowner at the end of the day, what is going to be the most reasonable or, as people like to say, the best bang for the buck? And that's where we can sit down and, and some people want to pay more for a certain brand because it's it's more uh, popular or it's a more recognized name. Um, but I also have some of the most popular panels in the world that, that probably nobody's ever heard of. Uh-huh. So, right. Again, I mean, that's the thing is, at the end of the day, I've got panels on my on my home that were produced in China. And if I told you the name, you probably never heard of it. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, we design a system that's going to give you a certain amount of power to to produce the power that you're using in your home. Yeah. So like like you you already mentioned, so uh, you're kind of talking where, where the science meets meets uh, commercial viability. You know, things change and 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 this. You go from talking just about efficiency to talking, yeah, talking about what well, what's recognizable, what do I trust? Um, but there are a couple other elements that uh, of a solar system, um, you know, when you get one installed, that are are necessary too. Not just it's obviously not just a group of solar panels that are some. How do those connect, and what else do you need, Gary? Well, the, those installed. the thing about a solar panel is a solar panel creates direct current, DC power. Inside the house, we use AC power, alternating current. So what happens is all that power leaves the solar panel and needs to run through an inverter, which changes it from DC to AC for use inside the home. And there's a few different ways to do that. And again, that's when we sit down, we could describe the difference. The most popular systems are now a string inverter where all that power runs down DC into an inverter and comes out the other end as AC power. Now, 
this is where it gets a little bit complex where right now on my home, I've got panels that run down into the inverter. And if one of my panels shades from a 300 watt panel, say one of them, uh, say a, a bird came and put a giant poop on there and covered 20% of that panel. So now instead of, you know, 300 watts, now we're making 240 watts. Well, all of the panels are going to reduce to the lowest producing panel. So if one of my panels producing 240 watts, all the other ones are going to be reduced to 240. So that's a string inverter. Now they've come up with a next a hybrid where they put what they call an optimizer behind each panel. And that separates the panel. So if one of my panels is only producing 240 watts, the others are producing 300. Now the lowest produces whatever it's producing, but they all work independently. Now that power mm -hmm. runs down as DC power into that inverter like I have on my house and then gets changed into AC. The other, uh, which is becoming more and more popular is using what they call a microinverter behind each panel. So the power, the panel produces DC at the panel itself. It's changed into AC goes down the, the side of the house and then goes right into the home for use in the home. So there's three different systems. And again, that's where we sit down and we talk about which is going to be the most effective for the homeowner between what panels are going to be the most effective, what inverters are going to be the most effective, and what's going to be the best, as I said before, what's going to be the best bang for the buck. Right. So a couple of the things I had questions about as far, far as, so I, I know, and I, you've got panels in your home, I've got panels on my home, um, but the, the direction of the panels, the angle of the panels, that matters too, right? Mm -hmm. In Southern California, the optimum, azimuth or the the angle on your compass is 190 degrees south southwest now that's not always you know I, everybody doesn't build their house to face a certain direction so they can build solar panels on it right um so what we do is we use a, a pretty sophisticated software and we can take your home we draw out where the angles are on the roof and then what we do is we take the, the angle of the roof and then we can um, we can put panels on a roof uh, virtually, and then that actually takes into account where your house is located, the weather conditions, and then the actual sun hours. And then we can actually see what your house will be able to produce. So say you use, you know, 10,000 kilowatts a year, then we design a system that'll give you 10,000 kilowatts. And that's part of our discussion is, do you think you'll use more in the future? We overbuild it a little bit, or I've got a, a customer right now that's, that's in the process of building a pool. So we can actually estimate what that pool pump is going to consume. We can build that on. So instead of maybe an eight kilowatt system, maybe we put a 10 kilowatt system on. So that's all part of the discussion. I also have had customers who had, in the past, I had a customer that had uh, twin daughters that were going off to college within two years. So they knew their usage would more than likely go down a little bit. So instead mm -hmm. of building 100% of what they're using today, we built a system at about 90% of what they were using because they knew their usage would go down slightly. Okay. And what about, um, so obviously, during the sunlight hours, we're going to generate the most power. Uh, and then at nighttime, we generate well, it's zero. Um, what do we do? I mean, how does that work as far as storage goes? Okay. Um, actually, I, just a fun fact. Um, my 
my wife is from Australia and I was at my father-in-law's farm once and he does not have any power to his farm. So he doesn't have any grid going to his farm. He's got solar panels, batteries, and generators. And one night under a bright full moon, he goes, Gary, come and look. And we went into his inverter room and his system was making a minimal amount of power under the moonlight. Nice. So it is, it is kind of interesting. No, it's, we're not harvesting under the moon, but it's just kind of interesting to know that those panels are getting there. When you see those panels, it, when they do get up to 40 and 50%, maybe they will be able to make a little bit of power under a moonlight that they can capture and actually use. Mm. Um, to go back and answer your question directly, the next um, the next phase of solar industry, I think, is going to be using battery storage. There's two reasons that someone would want battery storage right now. Um, number one is if there's a power outage. If the grid goes down, your system is tied into the grid, where when you're making more power than you're using, that power flows out into the grid and you get credit for it. When you're when the when the grid goes down, if you have a battery connected to your house, and what'll happen is then you'll start drawing out of your battery. The other reason that people like to uh, a battery is for what they call time of use. Increasingly, in the power utility companies are now changing their billing structure to say, well, now you're paying 20 cents a kilowatt during the day. Um, what they're doing is they're saying, we're going to charge you in the early hours of the day, we're going to charge you, you know, say 15 cents. And then in the peak part of the day, we're going to charge you 45 cents. And then in, in the evenings, we're going to charge you back down to say 30 cents. So they actually are variable um, charging during the day. And what I know that's sorry, not to interrupt Gary, but I know that that's the case in California, Arizona, a bunch of, of the Western <laughs> States. I know you've also worked East coast. Is that the case back there as well, that they're also going to those times of use schedules or is that uh, dependent on just location? Well, it's, it's depending on location. Mostly, um, the, the problem, like we said earlier, uh, Southern California is among the most expensive utilities in the country. And what they're doing is there is a, quite a large um, court case a few years ago because the utilities were saying, we want to stop paying for any power that solar produces. And the solar companies are going, well, that needs to be part of the program to make solar viable. So they actually came up with, a, at the end of the day, at this big week-long uh, proceeding. And at the end, they said, we're going to leave what they call net metering in place where the company buys your excess power back from you, but they said they were going to allow the utilities to switch to what they call time of use. So that's just been something that's happened in the last few years. And now everybody is being switched over to time of use. So where a battery helps in that case, if you're paying, you know, 45 cents a kilowatt hour for power during the evening hours and you've charged your battery, what will happen is instead of paying 45 cents to the utility, you can actually draw out of your battery until the price drops down to where if your battery runs down in the, in the late evening and the, and the price of the power drops back down, then it becomes more economical to just buy it from the utility at night when you're only running minimal amount of, of electricity usage in the house. Right. That so. makes sense. And the term they use that is called time of use mitigation. So it mitigates, you know, paying for high price for electricity. The only downside to batteries at the moment is that they're still pretty expensive. 
and unless there's some pretty well either you're you're forward thinking or you have an extreme situation where you just can't be without power then batteries are still fairly expensive they're they're dropping in price slowly and as more manufacturers move into the sector the pricing will come down and there'll be a lot more um, uh, reasonable or maybe economical is a better way to put it and mm -hmm. the nice thing is that if we design uh, your system appropriately, then we can actually add a, a battery down the road. So you can say, well, it's not that not that uh, necessary right now because with net metering in effect, um, you know, solar works really well to save a great deal of money. And again, we're going to talk about that in a few minutes, and we're going to actually see some some actual savings, um, you know, forecasts. Okay. I had another question as far as you said, you know, you can essentially retrofit your, your if you have a solar system, a solar panel system like I do, mm -hmm. uh, that um, it doesn't have a battery, um, you can add that later. What if um, you said, you, you know, you try to figure out what your energy usage is going to be, you project it out, you, you put a solar uh, system in that, that is about that size. If there's a big change in your, in your usage, uh, uh, and the, uh, you, a big increase, let's say you get an electric car or something like that. Um, adding to a, a, a current solar installation, is, is that like doing a whole new installation or is, is that is that cheaper? It, it is. I actually have a, a customer down here actually near where we are in the same neighborhood. And we installed a system and then for whatever reason, their usage went up by about 40%. So we designed a system to produce what they, they thought they'd be using. And then, of course, a lot of people, when they get solar, their, nat their usage naturally goes up. But anyways, right. their, theirs use went up dramatically. So he called me back and says, hey, hey, listen, I'm still getting a big bill every month from the utility. And we looked at that and said, yeah, that's because your usage went up dramatically. And what happened was we added an extra system. And again, you are going to be adding another system because when you install a system, you have a system, the inverters, the, the wiring, the uh, panels and everything forms a system. And if you're going to add another system, um, then we're actually going to go back and we're going to add extra panels and inverters onto your existing system. Okay. So because uh, I'd imagine as as more people move to like electric vehicles and things like that need to be able to plug those in their their usage is going to rise like you said I know that that was our in the case for my family we got the solar panels um, and since then my wife has used air conditioning more liberally and so yeah. that's good <laughs> yeah um, but you know, we offset it by getting a, a uh, we have a pool as well. We got a, a multi-variable speed pump, which lowers um, energy usage. There are other things you can do to offset it. But I'd imagine that, you know, being able to tap in and add more solar panels might be something that people would want to explore if they have a, a system that's not fitting their needs. Well, then one, one important um, thing to know about that is when you do add solar panels, there is a federal tax credit. And a lot of people are under the mis, uh, misinformation that you're not going to get that tax credit on additional panels that you add to your house. So if you added additional system to your house, that you're going to get that tax credit on those next panels while it's still available. Now, that tax, that tax credit right now changed 
in California last year, it went from 36 to 26% this year. Next year in 2021, it goes to 22%. And at, the, at this moment, it's actually scheduled to disappear after 2021. Right. And whether or not they renew it, I don't know. Like I said uh, last week, I, I don't know if they're going to renew that yet or not. But if they do, of course, you'll be able to utilize it. But right now, you can utilize it for any panels that you put on your home. I'd be interested also, and I think this is probably beyond the scope of what you know, and certainly beyond the scope that I know, that we have, we have a worldwide listening base, Australia, Canada, UK, India. Um, I know that governments around the world are trying to go more solar. I don't know if uh, you know government credits are available in all countries, but I'd be interested to, to find out and, and see what other countries are doing in order to incentivize uh, their, you know, their custom, their, their uh, citizens to use more solar because that's, like I said, that's a re uh, renewable energy source. So, uh, if any of our listeners want to chime in, let us know, email us, or whatever. Uh, I'd be interested to to hear what uh, what other countries are doing. Um, I know what the U.S. is doing, or and what we might not be doing in the future. But, um, but yeah, that's uh, that is a good reason to move and get uh, solar panels sooner than later, because who knows what's going to happen. But uh, the solar uh, the credit right now is available. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about, I know a big thing that, uh, obviously, <laughs> the main thing that people, that turns people off buying a, a solar panels, a solar system is um, is money, right? They look at their, yep. their monthly bill and they see, okay, you know, even in Southern California, let's say it's $200 a month. Um, that's significant, but they're kind of expecting that. They've become used to it. They're kind of, it kind of, they're kind of numb to that. Two hundred dollars a month. That's what I pay. And um, and then you come, you know, someone like you, Gary, comes in, you know, shows them all the cool things about uh, solar panels, and then it's they they get some sticker shock when they see, you know, okay, solar uh, solar panels and the inverter and the installation and everything costs, you know, whatever it is, twenty thousand, twenty five thousand um, dollars. So. What are the options? How do you help people understand what that, uh, uh, why solar panels still make sense, even money-wise, cash-wise? Well, they make more and more sense. And again, I literally was talking to a gentleman the other day, and he goes, you know, again, even after our conversation, and after I explained, number one, there's you can have the option of putting zero money out of your pocket and lowering the cost of your electricity. And we talked for a while and he's like, yeah, but the cost of putting them on is so expensive. And I said, you, a lot of people just don't hear. And again, a lot of people are just being bombarded by save money, save money, save money. There's four ways of putting solar on your house. The first one is cash, taking all the money to pay for your system out of your account, paying it off. That is the, the most effective way to save the most amount of money because then you're not paying any bank fees. You're not paying any interest. Um, you're just saving right from the, you know, I should say you're saving the most amount from day one. You also have the shortest amount of what they call ROA, return on your investment. Now, the other, the other way is a loan where you're borrowing the money, no money out of your pocket, and people talk about ROI. You don't have any investment because you haven't taken any money out of your pocket. So if I'm saving every month, then it's a positive ROA right from the very first month. Um, the other way is a lease where you don't own the panels. 
whoever the the finance company or the the solar company you're working with owns the panels, and then they finance them. They own the system. You pay them back over time. Same as leasing a car. You have options at the end where you you can pay it out, you can extend your contract, or you can give them back effectively. Um, the the reason a lot of people don't like leasing is because there are some pretty restrictive um, trans. Uh, if you're going to transfer it to another owner, sometimes there's transfer fees. Buying it out can can have some penalties uh, associated with it. Um, so and they also some of them have escalators. So in other words, your lease costs go up every month, every year, I should say. Um, the fourth way is called a power purchase agreement. And I've and by the way, I've I've used all of these these uh, these four different ways. Power purchase agreement is where a solar company comes in, installs the equipment, and they effectively become your new utility. So you're buying the power that comes out of your panels from the company that installed it. Now they're saving you money from the utility. Um, and a lot of those those companies that are doing PPAs or power purchase agreements, they actually have an escalator involved as well. So a lot of those are set at 2.9%. So I'm going to say, well, my utility, for instance, is 21, 22 cents a kilowatt. They say we'll set you up at 15 cents a kilowatt. So you're saving, you know, 20, 25%. But the point is that you're not going to escalate as fast as utilities escalate historically but you're still going to escalate a little bit. So there are some, there are variances in the PPAs as well. I've seen PPAs with no escalator, but what they do is they start you out a, a few cents higher um, to offset that escalation. Yeah. So if I can chime in here with what, what uh, I did, obviously Gary's far more familiar with all the options and everything, but I know as a consumer myself, I saw all these options. And at first I was leaning towards, um, either a PPA or a lease because that sticker shock goes away. It's this, uh, oh, you know, um, I, I can literally just lower my, uh, my bill and mm -hmm. I just view it as a bill and that's a viable way to do it. And I almost did. Uh, but then as I was looking more and more at, at what I had available to me and the options, uh, we decided to, um, take out a loan because we figured we'd be able to pay that off pretty quickly. Um, and as, and so as opposed to having cash, cause uh, while well, you get the, the tax credit, the, the federal tax credit here in the United States, uh, and that cuts off a good chunk of your bill, I think it's, is it 30%? It left what it used to be, right, Gary? Yeah, it was 30%. And then, as I said, this year it reduced down to 26% and, and next year it's going to go down to, uh, 20, 22%. And okay. then after next year, it's going to go away. Right. So yeah, when when we were looking at that tax credit and and just our options, we we decided uh, while we didn't have the twenty thousand dollars up front to pay in cash, we could, we could take the loan and we could pay off that loan very quickly. Uh, and uh, that that loan, the interest rate is very much, I mean, it's not quite a car interest rate, but it's pretty good. It's like I don't remember five or six percent. Um, and so we got uh, we got a loan, we got our federal tax credit, we put. Um, and and then we got free reamortizations on it, uh, two of them. And so we put lumps up because they expect you to get the tax credit back. These these uh, we a credit union that we took a loan from expects you to be able to put lumps uh, lump payments back in. So we did that. Um, and anyway, we ended up paying it off very quickly. We've had our solar panels now for three years, and we've already paid them off. 
and we're just, you know, the savings is, is significant. Um, right. And so we, uh, yeah, we, we went with the loan option and that worked for us. I know lots of people that do the PPA or the lease and, and, and honestly, anyway, essentially, you're going to lower that bill. Um, you're going to make some money regardless. Well, I've, I've told people, you know, over the years and I've helped hundreds of people go solar. Um, the worst finance company is going to be better than the utility because solar power is so much less expensive than grid power. Um, the one thing about the loans that we've got available is there are most of the loans that the solar loans that are now available actually do take into account that federal tax credit. So when it was 70%, the numbers are just easier. When it was 70% or excuse me, 30% federal tax credit, the finance company would base your payments on 70% and they would give you 18 months to pay that 30% back in. So they gave you a, a, uh, an 18 month grace period for you to do your taxes next year. And in some cases you have two tax cycles before the, all of that money is due. So they would base your payment on the lower amount and give you 18 months to pay that, that back in. So that's a nice thing about working with a, a solar loan specifically for solars because they do take into account that federal tax credit. Um, with a lease, you don't own the system, so you don't actually get it to take advantage of that federal tax credit. And the same goes with a power purchase agreement. So you don't own it. The company that owns it, uh, they apply that into their their pricing you know, structure so they can actually uh, – lower the price of the power so that it's lower than the utility. And that's the whole idea with solar in general is about saving money. Right. And again, I, I actually did a, um, a savings projection on my home. And again, a typical home in Southern California where I use about 8,400 kilowatts a year. And again, that's just the amount of power that I'm buying from the utility. If, if someone wants to know what is a kilowatt, what's a kilowatt hour and so forth, um, again, um, you know, southerncalsolar.com, you know, look me up. And I'll certainly be happy to, to have a consultation with you. But again, for a, a relatively small home, my home's about 1,450 square feet. I use a, bit, a little over 8,000 kilowatts a year. Now, my electric bill would be $160 a month average. OK, now at a six percent price increase over 20 years, uh, you're using that same amount of power. I'll pay the utility about seventy thousand dollars, sixty nine, eight ninety two. OK, if I um, if I were to finance that out for 15 years, my payment would be about one hundred and one dollars a month and my total payment. Over 15 years, I, I, I just stopped paying, and then I would have paid about 18,180. So I'm going to save, you know, uh, you know, 50, 51,000 dollars, 52,000 dollars almost. If mm -hmm. I was to finance that over 20 years, your payment of course would be a little bit lower, 89 dollars a month, um, and over that 20 years, you would have actually paid 21,360. Now that's including interest and and fees and everything else. So you're still saving almost $50,000. And again, $50,000, I'm not gonna walk up and give you a check for 50 grand, but that's what you're not gonna pay the utility over time. 
And for someone that's really good with a budget, if they say, hey, listen, we pay 160 bucks a month and now you paid cash, you take that 160 bucks a month and put it back in your bank. Your ROI would be, you know, probably five to six years. You recouped all that money. So if you were to keep paying yourself 160 bucks a month for those 20 years, that'd be, uh, you know, a great deal of money that you'd be savings. And that's not even taking into account the, the natural, um, you know, inflation for the utility, which is, you know, in Southern California. Yeah. I mean, some yeah. of them have been uh, quite high. Again, when I first started in, in uh, solar, I remember seeing bills down in San Diego, 14, 16, 26 and 28 cents, you know, for their different tiers. <laughs> and now, um, because what they used to do is they used to charge by how much power you use during the month. So if you use, you know, 300 kilowatts, you pay this much, you use, and then the price would go up. And then if you use more, the price would go up again. If you use a, a, a great deal, it would go up again. So now what they're doing is uh, they're charging you, as we talked about earlier, time of use. And I've seen uh, kilowatt prices over 70 cents a kilowatt. So yeah, you know, the highest price from, four years ago at, at 28 cents a kilowatt to 70 cents. It's just, it's just solar just makes so much sense because of yeah. that. Yeah. Agreed. So yeah, when we did ROI, the, looked at the ROI for our, our house and, and like I said, Gary does this for a living Gary. Uh, but you know, for, for just our, our family, my the decisions that we made, um, we're looking at the ROI. Like you said, Gary, I think it was like five or six years we made, we made our money back. Um, well, we're not, uh, but uh, and then after that, you just it's just you're just banking all of that uh, that those payments essentially that you would have otherwise been making. And and the solar system, well, you know, like I said, it does degrade over time, but uh, not to the point where it's not, you know, still uh, this is our third year. We're going into our third year with having the solar system on. And we honestly didn't notice any degradation for the first two years. There's right. a little been a little bit this third year, uh, but uh, just as I mean, so our our. Uh, cycle uh, the way that they do the billing for our our system and uh, our utility is i think every january or february we restart um mm -hmm. as far as like uh whether or not we've banked energy to the to the grid or come uh, drawn it off um and so and then we we can bank up credit and then use uh, and we can talk a little bit about net metering before but before we do that i was going to say that literally this month was the first month that i had a uh, bill electric bill that I had to pay to the um, utility that was not just some very basic connection fees and so right. October was the was the year the month even this year where we got degradation and we used AC a lot this last month the first month where we actually had to pay anything in electricity um, and so uh, yeah, I mean, there it it just makes so much sense, in, and like I said, it degrades over time. But after 15 years, you've made essentially 10 years of of money back on your investment. You just reinvest that, or you know, if if it's 15 or 20 years, whatever it is, reinvest that in the new solar system, and you're just going to continue making money. So, or or saving money, however you want to think about it. But um, like I said I don't uh, I don't do this for a living, but it makes so much sense uh, to me um, that uh, this is you know this is why I wanted Gary on to talk a little bit about. Uh, all the specifics, but uh, but yeah, I think it's it it just goes without saying that this is oh the one other thing I was going to mention before we go to net metering is I've got this um, when we uh, I think it's the inverter that that gives me all that I've got a little website that shows me all of the energy I I generate with my solar system 
Yep. And uh, and it's got, it shows on there the environmental ben- benefits. Um, <laughs> and and those uh, calculated over time. So as like I said, it's been about three years. And over the three years, we've uh, saved. A, it's coming up on 50,000 pounds of CO2. Um, and what they said is the equivalent of planting 370 trees. Right. Um, and so, you know, I don't know how exactly I calculate that, but obviously, uh, you know, besides the fact that saving money, you're also helping the environment. And so it's a win-win. Um, and it's kind of fun to see that, uh, to see those numbers. And, and like I said, this has been three years in. Um, you can imagine when, you know, uh, push those out another, you know, three times that number and, and it's going to be huge. So. Well, I, rem- I remember hearing a... I remember hearing a stat once about a pound of CO2 gas. And I think a pound of CO2 gas, gas is really light. Um, again, and I remember in, in, in a training class, they said a pound of CO2 gas will fill a 4,000 square foot home. Now, I'm sure that somebody's going to go out there and it's going to fact check me. But again, in, in <laughs> that I heard previously, a 4,000 square foot home. So if you think 50,000 pounds of CO2 you've offset, so imagine 50,000, you know, 4,000 square foot homes full of CO2 gas, and that's what you have have reduced, you know, going up into the atmosphere. So when you look at it from that respect, that's an incredible amount of of uh, emissions that your one home have reduced. Let alone, yeah. you know, when you drive through any community in Southern California, you know, they um. You know, they just reduce, they've just so many more solar panels going up around the area. And as I mentioned in that, uh, that California Renewable Energy Act, that they want to have 100% renewable by 2045, that also says every new house built in California as of 2020 has to have solar panels on it. So the, the, the state has been very uh, progressive and forward thinking about, you know, solar power. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that... I guess that'll take us. That makes sense now to talk transition a little bit into the. We, we've already discussed a little bit, but the net metering agreement, essentially the way that you connect your solar panels to the to the grid and how that works as far as uh, the utility bill con- is concerned and and what that means for how you consume electricity as well. Can you tell us a little bit about how that works and and what the history of that is and where we're going in the future with that? Sure. Um, and again, as I mentioned uh, previously, net metering is an agreement between you and the electric company. They agree to buy all of your excess power that you're producing. So during the day, say everybody, you know, close up the house and goes away for the weekend. The solar panels don't say, hey, I don't have to make power because nobody's home. They keep making power regardless. That power that you're not using flows out into the grid. And in, in California years ago, they went through and they changed everybody's meter to this new electronic meter. And it's got an arrow. If you go look at your your meter, there's an arrow on it, which points right or left, obviously. When it's pointing to the right, means you're drawing power from the grid. When it points to the left, that means you're putting power into the grid. So that meter is actually um, is actually critical for net metering. That allows the the company the utility to monitor how much power they're getting from you and how much power you're getting from them. So again, during the month, if you use a thousand kilowatts and you produce a thousand kilowatts, you net even. If you, and there's gonna be some months where during the summertime, maybe you make 
you know, 1500 kilowatts, but you only use 1200. So you're actually getting credited for those 300 kilowatts. So every month, you're some months you're above, some months you're below. At the end of the year, that's why we take a year uh, year's usage. So if you use 10,000 kilowatts in the in the year, we actually design a system which will give you 10,000 kilowatts in the year. And what I typically do is I you will usually design a system to give uh, usually around 10% over what someone's using because the degradation of the system, which by the way is about 0.5% per year. So when when all of that is taken into into account, uh, most people's usage goes up a little bit when they when they go solar. So again, um, you know, it's just a, a natural function of having done it so many times where I sit down with people and say, okay, well. You use 10,000 kilowatts, we usually build a system which will give you 11,000. And most people are going, yep, that sounds good. Because once they understand what's going to happen going forward. Um, now, met net metering has been under attack by the utility companies. In Hawaii, they actually stopped net metering. So if you put solar panels on your house in Hawaii, the utility does not have to give you credit for that power you're sending to them. So, in that case, you almost you almost kind of forced to to go battery then, right? I mean, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, so in in California, they left net metering on. So for the foreseeable future, you know, we're we're safe. We have net metering program in effect. So that means the utility is actually giving you credit for the power that you're sending to them. And again, that's on a yearly basis. Um, there are some months where you're going to be under, some months where you're going to be over. And again, what I do when I meet with someone, I show them uh, a solar bill and you can see on, on your electric bill, there's a graph where you use so much and your, your bill goes up in the summertime and the graph goes up. And then in the, in the fall, it goes back down again. Um, and what happens is with, with an electric, with a solar bill, you'll see that the graph goes under the line on some months where they're actually giving you credit for that month. So, right. yeah. You know, we design your system to zero out or, or a little bit, you know, beyond zero because it's it, like I said, it's just a natural function of, of uh, having done it for so long and what right. to expect out of it. Yeah. So can I, I, uh, yeah, go, Tim, Tim's joined us. I was going to ask for Cameron and Tim to give their perspective. Uh, I know Gary and I are very pro pro solar. Um, and I, like I said, I'm, I have a solar system. Gary works in the area and has, uh, but Tim and Cameron also live in different states. If they could tell us a little bit about what their perspective is on solar and net met metering and what they know about that uh, where they live. Well, I'm definitely interested in solar. I live in Arizona, which you know is arguably even uh, better conditions for solar panels. So I, I am excited to see the you know the technology progress and and the infrastructure you know accommodated even more um i was curious what are the arguments the uh the utility companies make against net metering like why are they against it what are they saying and and what's what's the debate for that well firstly in arizona has been interesting because arizona has taken net metering away and then they've added it back. So Arizona is, has been really conflicted <laughs> with net metering. Uh, the reason that a lot of companies aren't aren't uh, pro solar is because they're losing a customer. So if you've been if you're the utility and you've been selling me electricity 
for the last 20 years and I don't like your prices because they keep going up every year. And then I finally go, well, I'm putting solar panels on my house and now you have to pay me for the, for the electricity that, that I'm producing. Um, they think it's not fair because I'm not um, servicing the grid. I'm not, I'm not paying my fair share, I should say. And like, like Carl alluded to earlier, there is a basic connection fee with net metering to be connected to the grid because it does make sense that I should have to pay the utility something to use their grid at night because I'm sending them power during the day and they give me credit. But then at night when the sun goes down, I have to buy power from the grid. So during the day, if you think about it very simple, simply, power flows out to the grid and, and they give they use it. So they take my power and sell it to the neighbors that don't have solar. And then at night, the power has to come back into my house. So I am reliant on the grid and it's it's gonna be a working it's gonna be a working situation where then they charge me a certain amount per month beyond uh, just just as a connection fee. Um, Arizona um, has gone backwards and forwards with with net metering, and I think right now they do have net metering available. Um, so even in Arizona, you know, in some states like in Texas, for instance, I know that that power is deregulated, so you can buy power from all the different utility companies that are selling power in Texas, and you can buy it pretty inexpensively. So in some states. Um, Solar isn't cheaper than the grid, but certainly in Southern California, uh, I know in Utah, I know in in um, in Arizona, the prices are are high enough to where it just makes sense economically to put solar on. So basically, if uh, we consumers who might be interested in solar and the utility companies can agree on a, you know, okay, this is this is what we'll pay to support, you know, to pitch in for you know, the expenses you incurred building and maintaining the grid. But at the same time, we're stepping outside of the traditional utility you know, process. And so we're not going to be paying as much for electricity. But it, I guess just each state needs to kind of come to an agreement on that, right? Yes, it's, it has It has been a state by state um, agreement. And um, like I said, I mean, California is very progressive on it. And they basically uh, had a big uh, court case a few years ago with the, the, the California Power Utilities Commission. And they finally drew a line and said, yep, we're going to leave net metering alone. Um, but then they allowed the billing changes. And again, all the different states um, are, I think right now there's 23 states in the country where solar is available. Nice. Okay. Well, I was going to ask you, uh, Gary, as we kind of wrap the podcast up to walk us through a uh, kind of the whole, the whole process really quick, just what the, what it looks like from, from uh, you know, assigning the contract, agreeing to, to you know, yep. to do uh, all the way through um, and what that, what the consumer can uh, expect. But I was going yep. to ask if there are any other questions from Tim or Cameron before we move on, any other uh, comments as far as uh, what they think as far as solar goes. I'll take from the silence that there's not, which is about uh, about what I expect. I don't. I mean, from people that have heard, if you sit through a full presentation on solar and, and get outside of any type of bias, um, there's there's not a lot of reason to not go solar. And like I said, there are states where maybe as of right now, it's not purely economical. You know, maybe maybe 
there are places where you're not going to make your ROI um, in five years. Maybe you won't even make it in 10 years. Uh, but you're, if anything, it's going to be pretty much a, an even shot. I'd imagine pretty much anywhere around the world these days um, or, or will be in the near future with the prices rising and, and energy uh, generation so and delivery. So at some point, it's going to make sense everywhere. And it always makes sense as far as the, um, the environment's concerned. So Yeah. Well, um, it, it's funny yeah. how over eight years, uh, statistically, Germany, and you can think of Germany's under snow half the year. Um, and they're in, in, I say, a little bit more north uh, than Southern California and, say, Southern Italy or something. But uh, Germany has the highest adoption rate of solar in the world. So. Yeah. You know, again, you know, even in some snowy climates, like I was in Rhode Island uh, a couple of years ago on the project, and and they take into account how many, how many, you know, what the the weather is all year long, and they can still estimate the the yearly production on a solar array. So, right. Right. Uh, so that, that being said, sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Just one other thing. I do I do know that sometimes something that even I kind of wanted to wait and see on some something that maybe some people are hoping for is that solar energy becomes even cheaper and or you know the as we were talked about at the beginning of this podcast technology gets better and so it's you know it's even more economical and so they're going to wait on that the problem is that like gary said you know the these advances in solar technology have to be offset against the, the astronomical price of so if you want to buy solar panels that are 40 percent effective Okay, maybe in five years, maybe in five years, that's commercially available for what, like a hundred times the price. Like, <laughs> so the question is, uh, you know, why not do it now? And in 20 years, when you need a new solar system on your roof, then you can look at, uh, you know, size up the technology that's out there uh, and, and invest in whatever you want to. But there's no real reason to not jump on it now. And then, and then as things do become more efficient or whatever, you're yeah. going to um, gain, you know, you're going to have the opportunity to invest in that stuff later because you'll have saved money now. I, I recall. So, Sorry, go ahead. Oh, well, I was going to say, so you want it like your cell phone thing, like if you're an Apple person or a Samsung person, every time you can buy into a lot of these things, like anytime a new product comes out, you have the option to upgrade to the, the better thing. So is that where you're saying you want solar panels to become? Like as that would be cool. solar panels come out, you could upgrade into those to your existing. I'd like that. I'm I'm sure if if yeah, if it made enough sense, I'm sure a company would do that, right? Like if if a company could make money off of yeah, doing upgrades for you. Um as of right now, I don't think that's the case. I don't think that solar panels get that much better over time. It probably doesn't make sense either for you or the company to offer you that. But uh but yeah, I mean I Anyone, you know, the, the market economy is good for this in particular, that if 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 they can make money and the cust customer can save money, it's the, the market's going to appear. And um, anyway, well, sure. I mean, part of part of what I do is is consulting with people and 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 sitting down and saying, hey, listen, you got a system that your previous homeowner put on there. Maybe your father put a system on. He was really forward thinking. I, I met a couple a family from Jamaica. And they had a system that their that their dad put on their house years and years and years ago, and we're talking like 120 watt solar panels, you know. So mm -hmm. it's like that system was fantastic when he put it on, but now you know I can go back to that house and I go, okay, well those panels are still working, they're still effective. Now we need to add some modern panels to supplement what's there. 
So there's always the, the potential at this point of someone saying, hey, listen, I have a, a $1,200 a year chew up bill for my utility. Can you do something with that? And I say, yeah, of course we can. We can we can put on a system that will produce that much power or maybe even a little more, as I mentioned earlier, to, you know, to be a little bit more future proofed. So, again, it's just a matter of, you know, of, uh, you know, taking a look at what's there and what's available. And and as you mentioned, Carl, you know, if there's a market for people to upgrade panels, I'm sure that that market is going to appear and you'll see people. You know, um, I don't know that replacing panels because right now the panels that we're selling have a 25 year warranty. Right. So, you know, again, um, you know, waiting for a new system to come out. I was going to say I, I there's one company that got really hot about doing, you know, a new style of panel that you put it on your roof and it changed your, you know, without mentioning that particular company. Everybody got real excited. Well, what a lot of people don't understand that 10 other companies in the past have tried that type of, of solar and they all failed miserably. <laughs> and, and I actually had a colleague who worked for that particular company and had a deposit for a system that was $130,000 because they wanted this brand new system that was two years away. Well, I could produce that same amount of power with a $35,000 system. So the newest, latest, greatest technology is fantastic, but until it's proven and until it becomes rock solid, you're 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 reaching for something that may or may not ever happen. And of right. course, you're you're paying a premium for that that latest, greatest technology. Where the yeah. tried the tried and true solar panels right now that they're doing are, uh, I'll say between 300 and 400 watts, and they're guaranteed for 25 years. And it's just, as we mentioned earlier, best bang for the buck, um, the best cost savings, because if you're going to wait five years to start saving, you think about what you can save. If you're saving two or three grand a year for those five years, then again, it, it just doesn't pay to wait. Yep. Yep. All right. So let's uh, let's take a minute real quick here, Gary, and just walk um, briefly through what the what the process looks like and then we'll wrap up. Absolutely. So say you are, you know, considering solar and you go, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to Gary. He sounds like a pretty knowledgeable guy. So the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to have a consultation. We're going to talk a little bit, you know, what are you doing? We're going to actually take a look at your, your electric bill. We're going to say, Hey, listen, you've been using X amount. So the first part of it is really about consulting and talking about what's available, talking about what panels are available, what inverters are available. Are you going to want a battery now or in the future? So we're basically taking a look at what your needs are on an individual basis. And then we take that, uh, that usage and then we design a custom system for every home. So, okay, here's what your usage is. Here's what we're going to produce. And then we actually take a look at potential savings as well. Say, here's what you're paying now. Here's what you're going to pay in the future. And here's what your potential savings are going to be. And once someone says, yep, I like that, then we sign an agreement. Then there's typically a site visit from the installer. And then after that, uh, they pull a permit from the utility or from the city, I should say. And then after the permit, the permits are all in place, they schedule an install. And then the next step is we actually have an agreement with the utility. As I said earlier, there's a um, there's a net metering agreement. So we apply 
for what they call permission to operate. So once your panels are actually on the roof, there's a bit of a time lag where the utility has to sign you up as a solar customer now, a net metering customer. And that could be some are really quick. Some of them are a matter of days. Some of them are a matter of a couple of weeks. And then once a PTO happens, that's when you have the authority from the utility to start sending them power and they give you credit for it. So that process could be anywhere from two to three months. Um, again, for this 26% federal tax credit, which is going to reduce after next year, um, is I think the, the, the IRS says as long as the significant portion of that work is complete, then you can apply for that uh, this year. So we're still under the gun uh, for this year. Um, I say under the gun, we're still, it's still uh, potential to, to hit that 26% federal tax credit this year. Okay. Yeah. So I guess move now, right? Uh. <laughs> I was going to say that there's two things about solar that just makes so much sense. Again, this is what I do as a career. I've worked in, the, I've worked in sales for a long time. And it's about saving money and, and a, a significant amount of money. I've worked with homeowners over 20 years that are looking at saving three, four hundred thousand dollars because their usage is that big. Um, you know, I've worked with some homeowners like myself. I look at my I'll probably save around fifty thousand dollars over the next 20 years. I don't have a huge house. Um, but the other thing is I've got two young children and in, in 15 and 20 years, I want what I'm doing to make a difference to the environment. Right. So that's that's a huge that's a huge component of why I do what I do. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, I think that's a great way to leave it because it's uh, important. Uh, those are the, underscore the reasons to do it, and I think we've walked uh, walked people through the process. So once again, uh, you know, uh, if you're in California, Arizona, somewhere close, um, or or even in the United States, you can contact Gary SouthernCalSolar.com um, if you have questions or, or for whatever. Uh, if you're outside of the United States and, or, or, you know, just uh, do your research, um, you can get multiple quotes uh, on solar panels. But, you know, hopefully this has given you some the science behind why you should do it, some of the uh, uh, economics as far as how those are going to work. And, uh, you know, take the take the time to uh, make the uh, make the switch and uh, help the environment and also um, help your pocketbook. Yeah. Thanks, Gary, for jumping for jumping on again for, with us. Well, it was an absolute pleasure to be here. And um, like I said, I look forward to answering any questions anybody wants to throw at me. Perfect. Thanks. Thanks, Tim, Cameron. We'll, uh, we'll be back again uh, in a week or two. Thank you so much. <laughs>